Getting the smile and confidence you've been dreaming about all from the comfort of your home isn't a total mystery with Bite Clear Aligners. Just don't be surprised if all your friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Hello and welcome to this week's edition of Spin the Rally Pod, Dirtfish's weekly rallying podcast. And today, unfortunately for everybody, it's me, the not-so-talented Luke Barry, as your host. But we're going American. We're bracing our roots this week for an American Rally Association review from STPR, and we're doing it properly. First of all, we've got Mason Runkle, our ARA correspondent with us. Mason, how are you? I'm good. How are you, Luke? I'm good. I'm good. I feel very British for this call. As we're about to find out, I feel like I, I'm going to sound very strange about your all beautiful accents. But, and I don't mean it's disrespectful, Mason, really exciting. We've got not just one, but two of our fantastic instructors and competitors, Nate Tennis and the Michelle Miller. You guys are sharing a mic, so I won't ask you to both speak at the same time. Nate, we'll come to you first. How are you? Welcome back. Uh, thank you very much. Yeah, excited to be here and, and hope you have your cowboy hat. <laughs> it's stowed away somewhere it's in the cupboard but i'll maybe bring it out later on if i'm feeling brave and michelle this is your first time on the podcast so welcome along you of course were out on the rally at the weekend and scored another fantastic result so first of all congratulations and great to have you here thank you very much i'm excited to be here so for anyone that didn't know stpr susquehannock trail performance rally guys if i pronounced that right or is that wrong yeah right That's on man well done yeah Good, we'll go for that. <laughs> that was at the weekend, the penultimate event of the ARA, round eight of nine. To me, it's scary we're this deep into the season already. I think time is going far too quickly. But it was the first time we'd been out in News Forest since 2019. So Mason, correct me with this, but was that the first time you'd ever been to this rally? Yeah, this is the first time uh, Dirtfish has done any coverage of STPR. Um, and it was actually the first time quite a lot of the top of the field had run this rally too. Uh if not the first time in many years. Well, this is the thing, isn't it? Because I'll be honest, I've I've always been aware of American rallying from my side of the pond, but I've never, ever since having this job, it's really forced me into it to know all the nuances. And it's quite weird. I didn't know anything really about this rally before we, we got stuck in. But Michelle, you were there, of course, co-driving for Lucy Block in the Fiesta Rally 3. I almost said Rally 2 there. I almost gave you an upgrade. It was a Rally 3 <laughs> Fiesta. <laughs> but... Obviously, Michelle, I'll, I'll be honest, embarrassingly for me, I've forgotten to check your fabulous EWRC record to work out how many times you've been there before, but this wasn't your first time there, was it? No, I did the rally in 2018 with uh, Sam Albert in the Dirtfish car. Ah, of course. There's a throwback. So yeah. uh, talk us through the challenges of this rally in particular then, because a lot of people, and quite rightfully say, it's probably one of the fastest rallies they'll ever do in their career. It's a real challenge. Yeah, it's a very fast rally. Um, not only fast, but incredibly narrow roads with big crowns and movement from clay to gravel um, throughout the stages with some elevation as well. So that makes it extra tricky. The 
really tricky part is there seems to be a giant tree on every apex on a tightening corner that you can't see. <laughs> so you're going fast, roads unpredictable, and uh, what's coming up is unpredictable too. Yeah, which isn't quite what you want when you're coming through those corners as fast as you can, is it? Perhaps is one for swallowing the brave pills before you go into the stages. But Nate, you've never competed on the rally, have you? But you were telling us before we recorded, the last time you were there was 1995. Yeah, yeah. It sh would come to no surprise that I'm actually really old uh, to those who have seen me. <laughs> but uh, yeah, it, it's been a long time. The only time I've been there was uh, to help with uh, some servicing for another throwback, Ralph Cosmides, when he was campaigning a Toyota Supra way back in the day. Oh, there you go. There you go. I, I have to say, uh, Mason, as well, before we get into what happened too much of the event, hopefully the listeners are aware if they've been reading the reports on dirtfish.com, but we will do a recap. For you visiting this ride for the first time, you've obviously been lucky enough to, to go to, I think, every single round now of the ARA. So what was it like being in Pennsylvania, this part of the world, for a rally? How do they embrace it? What was the atmosphere like? And, and what were the drivers all saying about the stages? Uh, well, actually, I found that... Uh the little town of Wellsboro, Pennsylvania was uh, one of the better quote unquote rally towns in America. Um, rally doesn't really eat its way into the culture of its host towns in the US quite like it does in Europe. So you don't tend to see too much outside of uh, when the rally's actually there. But uh, there was a lot of fans at Park Exposé and going out to the spectator areas. Uh, they really seemed to embrace it a lot more than uh, some of the rest of the areas we went to. Um, and Funny enough, the uh, the first night I was there, I, I picked a random restaurant and went and got a pizza and walked in and saw tons of photos of rally cars on the wall, asked if I could take some photos of them. And uh, the guy who took my order was like, oh, yeah, that's my old car. I used to rally for 10 years and uh, he's moved on to doing some circuit racing. But uh, that's probably the first outside reference I've seen in the ARA uh, to rallying that wasn't just from the event being there that weekend. Really? Yeah, I remember you, yeah. I remember I remember you sharing that story with me. So whenever we do these rallies, Mason is, is out there doing all the business. I'm trying to keep the website running and he gives you little updates here and then. And the first thought was I was very hungry and jealous when I found out you were eating a pizza. But the second <laughs> thing was, was finding out and it's it is really cool. And that's what makes the rally come alive, isn't it? Because obviously we all come here because we love rally, but it's great that the community will actually embrace it as well. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And uh, you know, even as I was kind of around town the rest of the weekend uh, people were asking about it people were discussing it i overheard a lot of mentions of stpr and kind of like oh how do i get out on stage and all that stuff so it, it was really great to hear that um especially after you know two years of limited or no fan interaction and everything so many people wanting to get out there and uh just see the cars on stage and meet the drivers and experience it Nate, it's, it's not a rally you've done as a driver. Um, we do understand you've got some interesting plans behind the wheel, but we'll get to that later on. But STPR, is it a rally that you fancy doing yourself? Yeah, it, it's a rally. It ends with a Y, so I'm interested in doing <laughs> it. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's the best answer. That is yeah. the best answer. <laughs> Honestly, it's really cool. I would love to go run that one. It was on the list for last year. No, it wasn't. Um, we were thinking of doing it and preparation but um just didn't happen unfortunately but very intrigued i want to see that that scary level of speed um and the sketchiness that that surrounds that event and uh, firsthand so uh, yeah maybe next year <laughs> 
fingers crossed, Nate, fingers crossed. But yeah. you mentioned the word sketchy and again, it, it was one of the words of the weekend in, in a sense of the stages were fast. We've touched on that already, but there were some crews, Michelle, that maybe felt it was in some cases too quick, but how did you find it from, from your seat? Was this rally too fast or was it the challenge just about right? Oh, that's a tough one. I Part of the uh, issue for us anyways with the speed was the recce speed limit was 25 miles an hour. So it's really hard to write notes for stages that fast when you have to go that slow on recce. And even when you watch the video back, you know, max speed you'll see is 50 miles an hour at double speed. So that did add a huge level of you know, making sure those rights were notes and and uh, keeping the car on the road for sure. But, you know, I told Mason <laughs> that if I didn't feel comfortable with the rally and the, the risk, I wouldn't do it. So we always have that option to not race. You know, if we're going for the championship, maybe not so much of an option. But, you know, we all have our own risk level. And if we don't feel good about it, we shouldn't do it. Yeah. No, that's that's precisely it, and and Mason, there were a few drivers that were perhaps, I don't want to say they weren't comfortable, but they were aware that there was maybe a higher risk involved than there were in other parts of the country. But you were you were saying the main feedback there was perhaps the guys in the faster cars had to think more about it because well they're in the faster cars, so if it goes wrong for them, it's probably going to be a a bit more painful. Yeah, I mean, if you hit yeah. a tree at eighty or a hundred, either way, it's going to hurt. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Um... I think part of the issue is um, despite having virtual chicanes on just about every long straight on every rally this year, uh, STPR, the fastest rally of the year, had none of those. Uh, they had like some little hay bales and stuff set up to go around. But, you know, if you're if you're competing in a limited two wheel drive Fiesta or a BRZ, it's uh, it's different to get back up to speed than if you're in the top 10 and kind of able to get back up into fifth and sixth gear within you know, maybe even a minute faster than some of those cars. So even if you are slowing them down, they're reaching those speeds again really quick. So some of the guys at the front of the field were kind of like, you know, this is a this is a really high speed rally and they're not really doing much to counteract that. So it, it gets a little sketchy, especially when there's trees mere inches from the road. And uh, like Michelle said, you know, recce speed is 25. And when you're doing 130, suddenly you find yourself airborne or light in many areas where you weren't expecting and just a fraction of second with wheels not on the ground can really quickly uh turn bad as we've seen multiple times but thankfully not too much here yeah i'd like to yeah. add on the virtual chicane thing you know they do a good job of slowing down the overall speed of the stage but they really don't do anything to keep us safer we'd have to have one between every single corner there to slow down the overall speeds because it's just five sixes kinks over long straightaways. So, you know, they bring the speed down for the data, but they don't necessarily bring down the speed of the competitor. It's 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 an interesting ba- uh, debate, isn't it? I guess it is one of these things that the organizers have have a need to keep average speeds down. But as you say, perhaps it's all feedback, isn't it? They'll get this back from all the competitors and, and that's how rallies move forward. But I guess from a weekend perspective, drivers that maybe won't be looking back at STPR with the fondest of memories would be Brandon Semenik Mason. It was, well, it was a great start and a, a fantastic 
battle in prospect, just half a second between him and Ken Block after the first stage, but stage two wasn't so good for him. No, and what makes it even worse is, uh, you know, if you look if you look at the split times from the first split, Branded was actually 0.9 seconds ahead of Block, so, you know, even though he didn't get to turn in a time, when he went off, he was theoretically leading the rally by 0.4 seconds or so. Um, and to go off so early into a weekend where he really needed to to be on pace and even get a win to sort of help his championship efforts. Um, I mean, it was heartbreaking for everyone around, even, you know, Ken Block wants to win. Ken Block doesn't want to win like that. He wants to win straight up. Um, and of course, no one wants to see Brandon, who has been kind of somewhat of an underdog, but uh, that term seems less and less appropriate every time we see him run. Uh, but definitely someone new to the championship and someone who would be great to see win the championship for the first time, especially as, as you've seen Luke, uh, when he's been driving absolutely flat out all year and doing everything he can. And on a rally where he's never run before, being right on pace with Ken in a rally that he's won a couple of times in a, you know, modified WRC car, that was incredible. I mean, those Subarus are massive and, um, you know, they don't have the development that the Hyundai does. So it, it was a really impressive start and just an utterly gutting uh, not into his rally because he got the car back, but um, definitely a gutting into day one for him. Yeah, there's there's two really key points there for me. I think first of all to to raise that it was Brandon's first time there, and the, and the fact he was that quick, really, well, there's actually two sub points there as well. It shows you just how committed and brave and talented he is, and and it is great to see that more and more people are taking notice of that because he feels less and less like the driver in the shadow of Travis and Ken there. At least to me, it feels like he's on a par now, and everybody can appreciate that. But secondly, I think it shows the effort that everyone is putting into. ARA championship rallies now. Like, no one's turning up here and just driving on the day. Like, the, <laughs> the amount of pre-event work is incredible. We've actually got a story on the website with Ken saying basically that, that he's never worked harder before an event than he did last weekend, which is incredible when you consider he's been in a WRC and doing almost full programs there. But the other part, you mentioned the repair that Subaru did. Now, Nate, we all know what it's like. I say we, I don't. I've not actually driven in a rally, but I, I like to pretend <laughs> that I have. But you know what it's like when things don't always quite go go well. Um, the speed's correct, the corner's too tight, as we've all heard. So it's a gutting feeling to, to have that situation. But for a driver to know that he's got a team that can rebuild a car, and it was far more damaged than I think a lot of people realise. Like, it wasn't an easy job to get that car out for the, the second day, but how confidence-inspiring must that be for, for Brandon to know that he's got a team like Subaru that can just keep him going no matter what happens? Well, I think it's brilliant. I mean, it's we've known those guys over the years and, and uh, know them you know personally, that their team, and it's fun to see what they can do when they have to. And it really shows how professional they are. It's it's really impressive. I, I would like to touch on Brandon as well, because we've had the pleasure of watching his development over the years. We've worked with him a little bit, especially Michelle has sat in a little bit um, at the school here to, to kind of brush up and warm him back up if he hasn't driven for a while. And and I got to admit, that guy is a natural. <laughs> he, he has like a, a bit of that French flair that a lot of, uh, championships have gone to over the years past in the WRC, but um, I mean he's an absolute athlete. Uh, considering it, when you watch what he does on a bicycle, it's un- unreal. <laughs> uh, so to to see him apply that same level of a talent 
uh, to a car is not surprising, but also impressive and fun to watch from the from the outside. No, one hundred percent, Michelle. Obviously, you're. It's interesting. I, I knew you guys had done work with Brandon, but I didn't know it was quite that frequent in a way but for you what, what do you make of what he's managed to produce so far i know you're in a maybe in a slightly different camp embedded in hoonigan racing division but it was a gutting way for his rally to end but brandon how impressed have you been with him this season as well yeah he's really stepped it up this year i think having some experience on all the roads getting to repeat events has um really helped him be more confident to carry more speed you know, working with him here, he can read grip like nobody I've ever sat with, to be honest. Incredibly talented driver. I mean, the Hoonigan team will say it too. Um, <laughs> we were all gutted to see him go because we won a battle to win, you know. And uh, we never want to see someone go off the road and, and win from attrition, you know. So it was a very tricky corner. We had it as a double caution for minus left hug I think but the entry was severely off camber so if you got a little wide on the road it just sucked you right out which is what it looked like happened to him we're just glad everyone's okay the team holy moly can't believe they did that everyone was shocked um they were up all night I think they got it done at six in the morning or something like that yeah but they did it and you know aside from some duct tape maybe holding the trunk down uh, the car looked great out there again. Yeah. I would that, like to that, add go on, real Mason, quick sorry. to... Yeah, you're good. I, I would like to add real quick to what you just said, Michelle, about the notes. Uh, right after it happened, I was at the, the end of that stage and the start of the next one. They were right next to each other. Um, and I talked to some of the drivers and uh, talked to Martin Brady, um, you know, Seamus Burke's co-driver in the Escort. And he, he said, well, here, I can show you exactly on my notes where he went off. And it, it was like he said, a double caution. But I noticed that uh, he added into the notes after seeing Brandon go off above and below the double caution. He just wrote bad. And I think that's yeah. one of my favorite notes I've ever seen. <laughs> <laughs> that's a good one. Yeah, we drove it so slow the next two times. Lucy's like, I know I can take this faster, but I don't want to. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, play it smart. <laughs> That is, there you go, and that's it. it. Adaptive learning on the job, isn't it, essentially? But talking obviously, we'll get to you guys in a second in terms of your rally, but her husband, Ken, obviously won the rally. It was, Mason, I've written in our pre-event notes, he's oozing class at the moment, Ken. I know there's going to be potentially a lot of people that will still point to the car, but as I've always said all year long, he's still got to drive the thing, and he's doing that brilliantly. He's, he's feeling confident it's another win, and he looks like he might be the favorite for the championship now. Yeah, yeah, especially when you consider, you know, he did LSPR last year and he won. Um, I, I don't know exactly what his history is at the event, but he's won it a couple of times before too, I think. It doesn't seem like an event that lends itself too heavily to any of the top three drivers' style, so it's kind of balanced there, but uh, Brandon's never seen those roads and uh, Travis wasn't there last year either, so... He definitely has the advantage going in. Uh, I will say, Block will still tell you it's all really close. They've done the math with dropped rounds, and I, I haven't done this myself, so I can't uh, I can't confirm it. But <laughs> I trust I trust their math. When when you count in the dropped rounds, they're only two points ahead of Brandon, uh, supposedly. So it's still unbelievably close, despite what it looks like uh, if you go to 
sneak attacker EWRC right now, uh, where the gap is much larger. But he's still going to have to be all out. And, um, you know, he's confident, but he's not... He's definitely not in a place where he feels like he's run away with it, uh, especially because uh, he and his team still believe that uh, the the 1.6 liter that they have is a disadvantage compared to Subaru's much larger engines, which in some ways it is, but in other ways the car, I believe, is probably better out on stage in most ways. Uh, but it, it'll be interesting. He's definitely more and more seeming confident and confident. Uh, you know, he's getting some better luck after stuff like hitting the deer earlier this year and everything. So it'll just honestly come down to the very last power stage point at the end of this uh, next round at LSPR. Yes, it's an absolutely fantastic situation for US rallying to be in. I, I certainly can't remember. I think maybe in, in, was it 2017 where we had that slightly bizarre showdown between David Higgins and Thomas Pastrana that came down to stage wins or something. I can't remember how the tiebreak rule there works, but it this is the, the closest challenge we've had in years. But but Nate, we heaped a lot of praise on Brandon, and I think it's only fair we do the same for Ken because <laughs> that was it was another controlled performance. He, he he was quick enough to win the rally. He obviously didn't get the chance to really fight for it, but once out front, there was no mistakes. He just managed the gap and he got the job done. Yeah, absolutely. Um... I mean, Ken gets a lot of praise, so we got to throw Brandon a little bit also, but <laughs> no, I'm kidding. <laughs> uh, no, I mean, it's really cool to watch his progression with that car. And I think he's he's sort of reached a level of maturity, especially this year. Not not knocking anything that he's done in the past, but, but this year especially really clicked in a new level of maturity. And um, it's, it's showing in his speed and his level of well i guess his ability to control an event well the other thing for me as well michelle if, if you look at the performance was not just the speed but the power stage performance because he was talking to mason and the idea was he wasn't really sure if he was going to push for it i was going to kind of come down to how he felt on the day and in a way he was i don't want to say he was risking it all to get those points but he, he obviously had a fairly comfortable rally lead and, and those 22 points almost secured so it was a gamble, but one that ultimately paid off. Yeah, for sure. He wanted to win the power stage. Um, <laughs> he needed the points. We'd done the math before the event. You know, with two points, um, it would have just been one if that had gone the other way. And every point matters at this point. Um, I was super impressed through the whole season of all the work him and Alex have been putting in in preparation for the event. So on event day... All you got to do is drive, um, you know, they're doing the work on the recce, on the test, working with the team to get all the, the best setup and stuff. So it's been really fun to see that and be a part of it, learn from it for ourselves as well. But this is the first year I think he's gone for an American championship. Um, mm -hmm. So like Nate said, you know, he's, he's really pushing for it, um, taking this seriously it's not just a one-off, you know, sort of thing where you can go out and have fun. And I mean, not that it's not fun, but you know what I mean? Taking it a little bit more at that higher level to, to see if they can get that championship. And of course, Alex wants it because his wife got one last year. <laughs> <laughs> That's very true. There, there is a score to settle there in the Gelsomino household, isn't there? <laughs> but there are, I'm sure. And you're absolutely... 
<laughs> You're absolutely right there, Michelle, because that, that's at least the impression I've got from, from my thousands of miles away with Ken is that last year almost was like a building up year. Get the notes ready, get everything in place with this year. He's really just gone at it. But I'm going to take the chance since we've got you here, Michelle, to... I don't want to ask you to give away too many secrets. Obviously, we we couldn't be doing that. But what is what is it like the atmosphere in the team at the moment? Because there's obviously all three of you, which is which is brilliant. First of all, the the different generations of block all rallying together on the same stage, I think, is fantastic. But just being part of Hunigan Racing Division this year, what's the atmosphere like? How hard is everybody working? Is everybody relaxed? And and how confident are you that Ken and Alex can get the job done in on LSPR? Um. Everyone is working incredibly hard, but not so much that it's this like crazy stressed, um, horrible environment to be in. We're still having a good time. Uh, we're relaxing when we can, but we are putting in the work to get the job done. And that's what it takes. You know, if this isn't fun, there's no reason to do it. Uh, especially, it's not like there's a big purse on the table or something, right? So you have to have fun, but if you're going for a championship, you got to put in the work. Um, and what's been really cool about being part of the team is it's a huge family. You know, Lucy's there, Leah's there. Most of the events, the rest of the family comes to. So it's been pretty amazing to watch um, Ken and Lucy, you know, mentor Leah and help help her come up in her career. Uh, you know, we work together as a team on a lot of stuff. If we saw something weird on Recky, we're all sharing it with each other so that um, no one gets caught out or anything like that. And that's been a wonderful environment to work in. I've, I've got a really random question to ask you as well, but do the dogs come on rallies as well? No, I don't know oh. if... Um, I wish... You know, one bad thing about STPR is there's not very many dogs. I only saw two <laughs> at Park Exposé. It was a little depressing. Yeah. That isn't enough. I... That isn't enough. I should say, uh, when David Evans was here for Southern Ohio, um, I I asked him, do you see many dogs out on WRC rounds? And he said no. And I was so shocked. I think that's maybe one thing that the U.S. rally community has. (laughs) Maybe maybe a lot of the rest of the world doesn't, where dogs are such an important part. Um, The the Battle Turtle uh, rally team, uh, they, they were way back in the field in the regionals with a a little Acura Integra that uh, they've been running. Uh, they they walked around passing out stickers that said uh, race rally pet dogs. And so yep. I've got one of those. I mean, ev- every time we get uh, Josh Sikora, our, fo- our photographer, he's always out taking photos of the dogs at Park Expose. I'm trying to get footage of it for the video and everything. It- it's... <laughs> It's shocking to say somewhat, but dogs are an integ- an integral part of U.S. rally, it seems. So we That's got that fantastic. going for us. Yeah. <laughs> I, tell I you mean, what, what else yeah. do you need? <laughs> Nothing. R- rally dogs are the best dogs as well, I'll tell you that, because they're always they're not too scared of anything, which is brilliant. If they were, obviously, they couldn't really be there with everything that goes on at a rally, but it's fantastic. I have seen plenty of Josh's photos as well, which is probably where the ideas come from in my head. Um, but yeah, it looks fantastic. It's one of the reasons, if for there's plenty of reasons, but it's one of the main reasons I want to go over myself. I want to see this and experience it. Um, <laughs> there we are. We'll move on a little bit from dogs and we'll go on to Travis Pastrana because it's, it takes us a weird turn, hasn't it? This is not part of our pre-event planning. But <laughs> Travis It's part of Mason, Rally. It is. Yeah. No, it is. We're covering all aspects, giving you the colour here on Spin the Rally Pod. But Mason, just a, a quick word on Travis because... 
I don't know, it's a difficult one this year for me still, isn't it? Obviously, last year he was so dominant. Three wins to start the year, everything was on a roll. We can't forget the start of his season this year was compromised by his injury after a base jumping accident. But he just does he know what's going on? He's just not quite been at the level of Ken and Brandon this year, which isn't to slight him by any means, because Ken and Brandon are, are at an incredibly high level. But yet again here, he just wasn't quite able to live with Ken, and he was just... Uh, is it harsh to say it was distant second? I don't know. A minute 20 down at the end. He, he wasn't quite able to give Ken the fight that he maybe would have done last year. Yeah, I mean, as unfortunate as it is to see Travis kind of had this, I guess you could call it fall off this year. Um, it, it's not like he isn't cognizant of it. He knows um, he, he knows it's not really been his year. Uh, I think that that really comes from, if you if you follow him on social media, you know he's... Uh, even today, uh, two days after the rally, uh, he's driving this brand new custom build drift Subaru Brat. And, you know, he was doing speedboat racing the other week. He's doing Nitro Rally Cross in two different categories. Uh, he's doing, he's behind the wheel of something else seemingly every single day. And while that does get you a lot of seat time and gets you comfortable acclimating to a, a lot of different cars, uh, it, it can be detrimental in terms of if you're focused really hard on one championship, I think. And I think that's probably a big part of what we're seeing happen is uh, he's got so much going on that it's a lot harder to focus solely on rally this year, whereas last year he was kind of able to focus a bit better. Um, and, and it's unfortunate. I mean, he's it, it's, it's hard to see Travis kind of downtrodden, but at the end of a lot of the rallies this year, he has been a little bit just kind of seeing um that brandon and ken are kind of pulling away from him in most instance instances uh and after this event he even told me like you know it, it's clear that this year I, i'm no longer the subaru driver brandon is the subaru driver he, he's the main guy on Ooh. this team and i'm kind of just here as uh I don't, I don't, he didn't say this, but it kind of felt like he was hinting that he felt like the backup in, in case something happens with Brandon, which is truly unfortunate because, you know, he's got multiple championships. He's very good. Uh, I, I think he might just be doing a little bit too much. And I think next year he's going to have to step back from some things. And uh, who knows, maybe Rally might be one of them. Maybe, I, I doubt he'll step away from his own Rally Cross series. <laughs> I think that's going to have to stay his main focus. Um, but, you know, on top of that, it's time away from family, which is really hard. He, yeah. He's gone weeks at a time. And I, I think he's just starting to feel the weight of that. I tell you what, mind if if Travis Pastrana is ever your fallback number two option, then you really do know you've got a good lineup of drivers, don't you? That's absolutely that's something. Yes. <laughs> but we, I do love Travis for this. So he's he's one of the most honest guys you'll ever find. Like he, he's not afraid to to admit the truth, I guess. And you you don't see that from all drivers. Sometimes there's a bit of an ego where they try and hide behind things and everything else. But I say it is a shame. I think we've all got fingers crossed that you can maybe try and get a win on the last round and just have something to show for a season because he's been incredibly consistent but just I think that, that win is a long time coming but just a quick mention guys as well I'll come to you Nate on this one because I'm curious what, what you've you've made of, of what Tom Williams has been up to in the ARA this year because he, he's not been on that many rallies I think he's only done maybe four this year but he's consistently winning his 
his class in RC2. It was another podium at the weekend there. And some really strong pace, particularly on the final stage of the rally. Or was it the final stage of the first day? I can't remember. But he was within 10 seconds of, of Ken. I think it was the final stage of the first day. It was the spectator stage. But incredibly impressive given the performance disparity of that car. But he's not a known quantity in America. But he's, is it fair to say that his name is growing on, over your side of the water? Well, anytime you start scrapping with Mr. Block, I think your your name is going to show up in lights. Uh, yeah, I think he's he's doing a great job. He's he's made good showings every time that he's he's popped out here. You know, there's been issues here and there, but uh, but I think every time he has a clear run without any technical issues, he puts in a solid performance and, and finishes well. Michelle, I I know it's maybe I don't know. It, how much attention do you pay to, to other drivers and all the other classes? Because you've also got your own rally to focus on, but are you aware of, of what everybody's doing? And if so, what have you made of Tom? Uh, I try to pay attention, maybe not when we're in the heat of the moment, but uh, you know, I've raced, <laughs> I've raced all throughout the start order. So I love seeing how everyone else is doing and uh, how Dirtfish alumni are faring out there and things like that. Um, but yeah, Tom has been, he's getting really fast and it's going to be interesting to see with the rule changes next year, how things stack up with him. Oh, that's yeah, a very I, good tease. We're going to come to that I, later I think, on as well. Uh, but go I know. For it, Mason. I segued too soon. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think uh, adding on to Tom's year this year, uh, you know, he was kind of absent for the middle of the season. They, they never really intended to run that many events at the start. They were kind of taking, uh, you know, th- they ended up blowing a little bit of their budget too early. And so now he's back for this round and maybe LSPR. I think they're still a little unsure. But uh, this year has really just been him trying to get comfortable in the car and trying to get, you know, some name recognition so that he can get more more of a budget going into next year. But he's really important to watch because with the rule changes that, uh, that Michelle just mentioned, he's the only driver who can just keep running the car as is next year. He, he's the only one that's theoretically at the top top level, not having to change anything. So that's really promising for him not having to adapt to a new car or lower power or less aero or anything like that. Yeah, it's a very key point. It is a very key point. I'm just going to add quickly as well on Tom. He's, he's somebody that I obviously know fairly well from, from this side in the UK, and he has really impressed me, I have to say, because it's he's not long into four-wheel drive. He had done some stuff in Junior World Championship, but it's a very, very competitive place there, and he is starting to show some real form. So it is great to see, and, and as you say, next year could be interesting. But before we get there, we have to give a quick mention to one of our confirmed champions from this season as well. Yet again, Mason, Seamus Burke, open two-wheel drive champion, the Mustang-engined escort, this legend of a car, keeps delivering. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, he, he had a good amount of competition out there this year. Uh, unfortunately, uh, Michael Hooper's Lexus IS 350 got basically totaled early on in the year when it was being rented out. Um, and so that that shell had to be scrapped and everything got put into the the new car he's got now, uh, the beautiful black one this time as the rest of his cars have always been white. But, uh, you know, that, that car has had some real teething issues. Uh, they seem to be running into some mechanical issues at just about every single round. So there was that. But then uh, really the underdog, Micah Nicholson, who we saw out here in great form, kind of exploded onto the two-wheel drive scene this year. Uh, 
in a just a, a 1.8 liter turbo golf mark ii uh he's he's really known for running the the rallies out in missouri like 100 acre wood and just absolutely going flat out over every single jump uh I, i've heard stories of him blowing both rear shock towers over cattle guard and everything like that so to come out and uh for the first time really put in somewhat of a, a national championship effort as much as he can uh he was super impressive and quite frankly he was going to win this rally uh until a mechanical took him out which is unfortunate but that's kind of how it goes and once again the the reliability of that just really well built $500 junkyard Mustang engine in the escort <laughs> it shines through and uh Seamus Burke he he's an old Irish guy he's very unassuming I don't think anyone would look at him and think that he could hop in a real drive car and make it look like he's in formula drift but <laughs> always on it he had that one wreck at new england but other than that he hasn't had something like that in years and years it, it it's crazy just how near perfect he can be behind the wheel every time nate you've competed against seamus obviously um tell us a bit about what he's what he's like as a competitor because as mason quite says he's he's not maybe the loudest character in the world but boy <laughs> you can drive a car <laughs> Yeah, I mean, <laughs> Seamus is always entertaining. <laughs> it's always fun to <laughs> uh, to chat with him because he, he will chat at length, uh, which is also entertaining. But, I mean, he is no doubt a wheelman, and his car, okay, yeah, that was originally a $500 uh, junkyard V6, but it is not anymore. <laughs> but, <laughs> yeah. I mean, fast driver, Super cool car, so much development into it. It's really fun just to look at the car and then to see what he can do behind the wheel. I mean, he's absolutely the benchmark that uh, everyone shoots for in two-wheel drive, saying nothing against anyone else, but um, he is that benchmark with the development, the consistency, and the speed that that is really, uh, really fun to watch. And absolute huge props to Michael Nicholson as well. That was, that was impressive and good on him. Yeah, yeah I'm, he, I'm glad, he actually I'm... blew that motor less than a week to go for the event. So he, he had to build a brand new motor on Monday before STPR, get it in the car, get it on the trailer and convoy down. And to to last as long as he did, I, I still never really got confirmation on what happened that took him out of the rally. But I, to go that hard on a brand new motor that hadn't been tested, I mean, that's that's incredible. Yeah, that's yeah, good rally right there. I'm glad you both brought Micah up as well because I have to say Mason's right. He did look like he was on for the win there. And I personally just love his car. I don't know what it is. It's just something a bit different. And that's what I love about American rallying. But it's just, I don't know, the fact that golf is taking on a Mark II Escort in the same class and it can be an even <laughs> fight, it's just it's incredible for me. I do love that. But it's the moment we've all been waiting for, Michelle. It's it's your time uh, to shine. We're going to talk. Oh, go on, Mason. Luke. I know that uh, I know I said I was okay with the running order, but something that I think we both didn't realize over the weekend that I think is important to add uh, just before we start getting into Michelle's incredible weekend, obviously. Michelle, he's, see... trying to bur- he's trying to burst your bubble. I wouldn't have it's that. It's fine. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. I, I think Michelle knows this guy uh, pretty well, I think, and I think she's going to be just as happy. Did you catch who placed second on, I think it was stage 14, Luke? No, but not. I'm gonna resort to I'm gonna resort to EWRC right now, and I'm gonna tell you, <laughs> and it's gonna. All right, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna let you look it up, and I'm gonna hear your <gasps> reaction. 
Okay. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. I tell you what, I didn't realize Brandon was that much quicker than everybody else in that stage as well. But yes. Well, yeah. Okay. Pat Patrick Gruska. Yeah. Pat Gruska. Oh. That's that's got to be the best stage he's ever run. Yeah. Without a doubt. I I mean, not to take away, he did get some. Oh, he got a couple stage wins on Snowdrift earlier this year. Um, but that. <laughs> That was kind of a crapshoot for everyone, not to take it anything away from anyone who was successful there, but on the ice with so much just driving difficulty, uh, it was it was kind of bound, especially once Brandon uh, was out of that rally, that uh, a car like his was going to get a stage win. But to place ahead of Block and Pastrana and Tom Williams on a stage, that that blew me away when I realized it. I can't believe that we didn't notice it at the time. Yeah, you well know, he had a mechanical on 15 uh, yeah. and couldn't start the final stage. So he fell back in the results. I think that might have been why we missed it. I tell you what, yeah, though, what, that's one of those ones that he's going to screenshot on his phone, isn't it? That's never going <laughs> <one. laughs> That's straight I mean, in the album. Michelle, have you, have you gotten to work with him personally? I know he's been out at Dirtfish before. I have not. I wasn't here when he came through. But, you know, I see him at all the rallies. Um, our chef cooks for their team as well. So yep. uh, I get to have meals with him every once in a while. Great guy, great co-driver. Um, yeah, I enjoy having those guys around. And it's worth noting, he's only 19. I know, yeah, don't say crazy. That. That's, just, that's just depressing for all of us, isn't it? <laughs> it we is. We don't have yeah. to know that. <laughs> <laughs> but well done, Pat. Well done. I have to say, we're not taking that away from you at all. Enjoy your youth, mate. It, it is good fun while it lasts. <laughs> There we are. But Michelle, I am now going to give you the floor. Um, we have to talk about you and Lucy's rally because yet again in the top 10, it's it's turning into a quite brilliant season. Being a, a professional, you'll probably tell us that there's plenty of things that could have gone better. But from where I'm sat, you have to be happy with that. Yeah, we're really happy with that. We went into this rally with the goal being all three blocks in the top 10. Uh, and we were able to do that. So pretty excited about that. Lucy's consistently getting faster without trying hard to get fast, which is the best way to get fast, if you ask me. Not taking big risks, but just pushing a little bit more every event. We had a super strong Friday. Um, great time on waste management, not just the driving, but also the stage time as well. Uh, she really thrives in those technical, hard, tricky stages that most people hate. Um, we have a lot of fun in those, just bouncing around and everything, to be honest. Uh, yeah, really strong day on Friday. Um, Saturday, we fell back a little bit, but we were able to, uh, you know, stay in that top 10 uh, position. We just didn't like our notes for stage 10, to be honest. They felt like they were slightly too fast for the roads. Um, and that just makes you a little less confident going through there. Uh, the repeat stages, though, we felt great on. So uh, we have some work to do on those for next year. But yeah, we're super happy with the finish. Um, you know, eighth overall, fourth and open four. And I'm going to reference the next year rules again. Um, but next year, that class will be in limited four. And when we look at our results um, in that class for the year, we've, we would have had quite a successful season. Yeah, well, I'll tell you what, Michelle, your segue is actually perfectly timed now because that is where we're heading next. So well done. 
Thank that, you. that was a, a fantastic <laughs> effort. Not just on the rally, but you're becoming a podcasting pro as well, which is worrying <laughs> for the rest of us. Whenever you get these super talented people that become good at everything, it just becomes very, very frustrating. That is 100% Michelle, yes. Yeah, it is, isn't it? She's brilliant. She's brilliant. Not that any of our other boys aren't, Nate. You need to take some more credit yourself as well, because you're becoming a podcasting pro as well. I hear. I've been listening to all the episodes you've been on, and you've been great. <laughs> We're gonna well, twenty. Well, thanks. 20... I'm just trying to figure out how to use my phone. Twenty twenty three regulations, then everyone. That is the next talking point, and. To be fair, it's something we've known was coming for quite a while. I think they were first sort of announced in principle back in May. It was certainly a few months ago. We've done a podcast on that already. But Mason, we have now got a finalised rule set. Can you just firstly give us a quick overview of what the key changes are, first of all? Michelle's already mentioned one of them, hasn't she? Yeah. And to me, that's, uh, well, I guess the second biggest change. Uh, You did mention this is something we've known is coming, but... There, there were some surprises, and this close to the next season, uh, you know, I know it takes a long time to get something like this together, but there are a couple of things that I think have, th- there's a reason that some competitors are upset. It's a real huge can of worms to, to dive into as a, just a little subtopic of one podcast, so we might need to do something bigger on it later, but uh, the limited three, or sorry, the limited four-wheel drive class uh no one was aware that they were going to step that back in terms of they've got a 33 millimeter restrictor necessary on that class instead of uh, 34 or 36, depending on engine size. Uh, so that's caught a lot of people off guard. Um, but the the big the big change, of course, uh, stepping back the open four wheel drive class to hopefully be closer to RC2 and invite more international teams to come be competitive and uh, just make a more exciting championship all around hopefully uh, the I'm not super technical I don't know I don't know how how well all the changes are going to actually work so maybe someone else can kind of weigh in on that but at least in principle I think that these are some good changes and I think that uh, if, it, if it works the way that they're planning it should be pretty exciting. Nate, would, would you go along with that? It's, it is obviously quite a, a step change for, for US rallying. I think particularly the guys at the very front. We've obviously got the Subarus, which we understand they will obviously still be there next year, but in a very different car. We won't have the World Rally cars anymore. Everything is going to be a bit more equal. Um, what, what are your thoughts on, on what we've got going into next year in terms of a, a regulation rule set? I think it's great, honestly. I think... Um you actually hear from some of the top teams who we won't name, but they're starting to be very concerned with the overall speeds that they're seeing on stage. Um, and these are speeds that, that would not be allowed on WRC events. 130 miles an hour, um, is awesome to say, but the reality of the consequences of that could ruin our sport entirely. So I think checking our regulations and ensuring that we have, uh, some reasonable top end speeds, as well as offer up the the opportunity to invite others from outside. Um, with, I mean, should note that our rule structure allows for some very unique cars that aren't, you know, universally um, transferable to the rest of the world or vice versa. So. The fact that we can invite others in to come in and pop in, even for one or two select events, means uh, a healthier championship and a more diverse championship as well overall. 
yeah, I have to say, this was the ultimate quandary I think the guys had, is that they wanted to try and keep the the spirit of American Rowling, if we can call it that. You've got all these unique builds, which we've already referenced a few on this podcast, and you look at any of the videos, any of the photos that we put up anywhere, you will see how many crazy and different and wonderful cars there are. But as as Nace, uh, I was going to say Nason, that's a weird co- collaboration of, of two names. <laughs> <laughs> Mason and Nate. Our I've already referenced combined. it. There you go. Yeah. That'll be one superpower. <laughs> Mason and Nate, they've, they've, they've mentioned it. I'm, I'm getting a bit deluded, guys. This is getting a bit worrying. But yeah, they've, they've already referenced that there, there is a, a sort of desire to try and attract more international interest. It feels to me, at least from outside of the US, that there's never been more interest in what's happening in the American round than there is now from outside the world. But Michelle, we'll get your thoughts on it as well as a, as a current competitor. Obviously, you guys, assuming, and I am assuming here, so correct me on this, you might not even know, but assuming you're sticking with the same car next year, you will be in a different class, which, which as you said, will probably be quite a good thing for you guys because it'll be the car will be much more competitive within that class. But what's your sort of personal feeling and the feeling within within the Hoonigan team at the minute for, for what's ahead next year? It is a big change, but it does seem like, on the whole, everybody is quite positive about the direction that ARA is going in. Uh, personally, I'm really excited about the new rules. Like Nate said, our roads here are way faster than anything they do in the WRC. And just kind of lowering the ability of the vehicles, I think, will make it safer It'll probably silence some of those, uh, these roads are too fast things that we hear from some of the drivers. And at the end of the day, it's gonna make for really good competition. Instead of having a whole bunch of classes, let's get all these um, drivers racing against each other um, in a similar spec car. And, and we're gonna see you know, who can drive versus who has a big budget. Um, <laughs> and you know, I, I'm on Hoonigan now, but I'm, I'm a grassroots racer at heart. Uh, so I like to see that, that competition piece, you know, that can go across the board. I know it's going to be tough for some of the regional teams, but they did, um, give them an extra year to get their cars together. So they get to operate under the old rule set for a little bit, which is nice with budgets and all that sort of stuff. Um, as far as the rally three goes, I think it's a great move to move it into limited four. Um, it's just not going to be competitive against the WRC car. You know, it's two classes <laughs> down um, in that championship. But they just didn't know where to put it this year. And there weren't enough of them to create their own class like the RC2. So I'll admit, sometimes it's a bit frustrating to be racing and having a good race and not getting on a podium. But uh, looking at the overall results, we're happy. And next year will be great. We'll get to um, have some good races and see where we really stack up. Yeah, I suppose 100%. you guys would have won the limited Nash or limited NA four wheel drive class this time around if 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 you had been in it, wouldn't you? We would have by a minute and thirty two seconds. Heck yeah! Not that I did the yeah. math. <laughs> not, that's, not, that's, not that that's... you had to see how much faster you were than a Honda Passport. Uh, no, an Mason. Evo ten. Oh. Yeah, they, they were in regional. Though. Oh, they were in so regional. That, oh, then the Honda Passport. Yeah. Oh, that. Yeah, I won't. I won't say that. I won't do that math. That's not nice. <laughs> <laughs> but speaking of, those guys crushed it out there. I can't believe Absolutely. what that passport can do on those stages. It's ridiculous. Yeah, they're leading the championship. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know how they got through waste management. They had to just go a record. Mason's going to be. They drove over excited, everything. Though. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah, Ma- Ma- Mason, for anyone that isn't a know that's it's listening, Mason absolutely loves the Honda Passport. I think <laughs> you've got a right you've got a right passion for SUVs that go rallying, haven't you? So it's, it really does sort of tickle your fancy, this one. And as you and say, Chris is crushing it. still has air conditioning. It. <gasps> yeah. It's wow. the perfect car. I know. <laughs> Just, you, you, you know, especially the, the limited class this year, not to take us too far off topic, the, the limited class this year has really been about reliability. Uh, basically, everyone on on course has been overheating in that class uh all, all the subarus are just being pushed to the absolute limit of what they can do and uh you know klim fedoff and his evo has been doing fantastic but he hasn't been around as much so it it's really come down to reliability and driving a stock honda that can drive over any like real huge rocks or anything it just makes sense if that's what you're up against so uh, you know that team is a bunch of honda engineers uh who, who build the cars and are really just kind of testing and showing off the tech they put in them. So for them to be in a, in a Honda leading a championship, not only on reliability, because there is still some speed there, but quite a lot on reliability, that's exactly what Honda wants, and that's exactly where they want to be. Yeah, it's well, fun to go. see what they bring out each year. Yeah. 100%. So before we wrap this up, guys, because I've done the usual, I will be getting a, a telling off in post-editing from our missing host, Lisa O'Sullivan, for taking this too far beyond 50 minutes. But guys, before before we wrap it up, LSPR in four weeks, and just under four weeks, I mean, four weeks time, we, the rally will have been. So we've bigged it up a little bit of, of uh, across the last 50 minutes or so during the podcast. Ken versus Brandon for the overall title. I'm going to put you all on the spot. Mason, it's going to be close. That's what we know. But who do you ultimately think will edge it? Well, you know, I've been saying this is Brandon's year all year. Uh, I think I think mathematically, and uh, if you look at statistics and everything and get real boring about it, I think that Ken is kind of a shoo-in at LSPR just because he has the experience. Uh, I believe he has the car. I believe that it, it's just working out really well for him uh, for this to be the final event. Uh, but... I still kind of have an like a little bit of a feeling that Brandon could do this. Uh, he he really has the the drive. He's been putting in an unbelievable effort. He's been absolutely flat out the entire year, not leaving anything on the table. And frankly, at this at this round, he came in with zero experience on these stages. And sure, he went off, but he proved <laughs> that he was just as fast as Ken. Uh, whereas in the past, we've seen him really take some time to acclimate to new stages. So I think that there's still really a good chance for him to. Uh, and I, I, I don't want to take favorites, especially with a, a fellow Hoonigan in, in the call, but I, I think <laughs> you, that... You, can, to, you have your own opinion, off, it's fine. <laughs> <laughs> thanks, Michelle. Uh, I, I think that if we want to look at it uh, as sort of the last event of this era of American rallying before the new rules come in, uh, even though Subaru's been dominant for basically all of it, except for one one year, it would really be the perfect way for them to cap off this era. Um, but at the same time, Ken's been doing this forever, and he deserves a championship. So uh, basically a really long way of uh, getting myself out of answering the question. <laughs> <laughs> Nate, I'm not going to be so kind to you. You've got a dollar to place. <laughs> you're, you're having a bet in the Dirtfish Rally School office and you've got to go for, for Ken or Brandon. Where's that hard-earned money going? Well, I mean, 
the heart goes for Brandon. The head goes for for Mr. Block. But I'm going to say that something happened and Leah Block wins overall. We love that. We I can get behind that. that. <laughs> she's a female. I mean, yeah, we didn't really mention her, but she's been really killing it out there this year. Yeah. Uh, she's, she's incredible. Yeah. An R2T might be a little bit uh, behind on pace, but, you know, maybe she can make that up. <laughs> yeah. I'm skill gonna skill and brave will get you everywhere. With age, she's going to dominate everything if she chooses to stick with Rally. Yeah, well, this we can it. only hope. Michelle, we, we've, we've had two slight dodges of the question. Nate's answer was perhaps stronger than Mason's, but <laughs> where, where are we going? In your opinion, obviously nothing is ever certain in rallying, and that's the beauty of it, but using the sort of numbers and weighing it all up, who, who do you think is going to have this one? I, I think Ken's going to take it. He's going to put in the work. Not that Brandon isn't. He is too. But having those extra two points, that little bit of cushion, um, coming off a big win, he's going to... I think he's going to take it. And there we go. The beauty about being the host as well is I don't have to answer that question. So we oh, can you can though. Go for it. <laughs> Way to no, I'm David good. taught you well. He did. He did. Yeah, that is, a, that is a David move, actually. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but thank you very much, guys. That's been fantastic. It's been great to dedicate so much time to ARA in a podcast for us. Well, we are going to try and do this more going forward because, well, we, we need everybody to know about how brilliant it is. But I want to thank you all for for the time and nate and michelle not that you've not got a cool day coming up uh, mason but you guys now have the coolest job in the world for the next few hours you get to slide around in rally cars and teach guys how how to have fun so we're all jealous um <laughs> what 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 well, i might be wrong are, are you out in the car today guys or is it a bit more relaxed what's on for the next few hours for you well actually michelle got out of it we had some no-shows if you can believe it uh, a couple of people <gasps> didn't show up for our uh three-day program so um yeah michelle doesn't have to go back out to the out to the <laughs> the course today i get to do laundry and go grocery shopping <laughs> <laughs> oh dear sometimes people who didn't show you hard. up you know those people who didn't show up thing. have made the biggest mistake of their life exactly I it's think a three-day so. program that's booked out for the next few months um man i apologize for them and I tell you what, actually, now you mentioned that, we did have our 2023 calendar date list as well come out very recently. So if you do fancy learning from the best, and trust me, Nate, Michelle, and everybody at the Rally School are the best, I can tell you that for a fact. Go there, check it out, reasonably priced, and you simply won't regret it. Mason, you've done it. It's, yeah. It is just, it is something that you just you can't do anywhere else. It's just fantastic. And I, I'll be honest, it's the one thing that I want to do more than anything else in life now. Um, is have a rat, take a course at Dirtfish. So before 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 it all comes too much, before I have to retire, that's going to be something I get to do. But guys, thank you, thank you yeah. very much. I want to see basically just how hard it is, because that that's the thing for me, is that it's easy to to look at it. And I, I'm in a slightly strange position where I essentially critique people that do this, and I don't really know what it takes myself. <laughs> so it's a bit <laughs> hypo hypocritical in some ways. But it's yeah, wonderful. it is most fantastic. So so guys, honestly, if, if you haven't, and maybe if you've never heard, but what we do at Dirtfish, make sure you check it out because it's just simply fantastic. But guys, thank you very much. It's been a blast. We'll do it again soon. Wonderful. Absolutely. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.